Welcome to Dancing with Dragons, a podcast dedicated to all things related to the world of A Song of Ice and Fire, based on the works of George R.R. Martin. For today's episode, we will be chatting about House of the Dragon, all the news, up-to-date casting announcements, and we'll be answering a ton of questions related to Season 1. We'll also briefly discuss HBO, or excuse me, Max's new show, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. So there's been a ton of news since the finale aired last October, and we're going to have Minois, the investigative journalist here, <laughs> briefly tell us all the news the casting that that's happened the last few months because it's kind of been a whirlwind. Okay, hi everyone. The reason that Tony called me an investigative journalist is because once again, I put on my Hermione Granger role and... Uh, just did a ton of research for this episode, which I always love to do, especially when it comes to Game of Thrones. Yeah, let's just get started because there's lots to cover, as Tony mentioned. Production has already begun on House of the Dragon Season 2. Filming began in March or April, some reports differ. So it took them the same amount of time to film as Season 1. We're only getting eight episodes this time around for House of the Dragon Season 2. Director Claire Kilner, who is directing two episodes of the season, has said there are eight wonderful episodes with so much happening in every episode, and we have trouble at times bringing them down to one hour. Ryan, Ryan being one of the showrunners, uh, Ryan's decision was to give it a good opening and a good ending, and they're jam-packed with emotional and visually exciting events. So what do you think of that, Tony, the fact that it's just eight episodes? I don't know what to think of it. At, at times, it worries me. It gives me that horrible flashback of season seven and eight of yeah. Game of Thrones. And I go back to George's quote of him saying, it will take 10 episodes of four seasons to tell the story. You can't have eight jam-packed episodes because how does that even work? You're going to have episodes that are slow, have to establish new characters, yeah. new settings. Let's have faith, I guess. In the back of my mind, I'm just like, oh my God, why are they doing this? Why, 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 why? I'm just hoping that we don't get any time jumps. I don't think we will because after this war starts, it's pretty much in the same time period. I agree. I mean, as you mentioned, we kind of, I think if anything showed us the importance of having, I don't want to call them fitter episodes, but slower episodes, it was House of the Dragon because we were really frustrated with uh, as you said, like the amount of time jumps that the fact that it was just so jam-packed without any kind of room to breathe. We need that even in a war, almost especially in a war. As you said, like it worries me, but I'm trying to remain optimistic. Something else that worries me about her quote is when she says that they want to give it a good ending and a good opening, which is um, okay, great, but you can't just focus on having just the good ending and the good yeah. And the good beginning because the things in the matter and the things in the middle matter the most. What yeah, you can't they're have, hoping to get away with. You can't have amazing frosting on top of a cake and then the yeah. cake sucks. But who knows? I just don't want this to be an excuse to say season three is gonna have seven episodes. Yeah, exactly. Season exactly. four is gonna have six episodes. Like I I just fear about that. But the quote does mention having a good beginning or a good opening to the season. And actually, we just got word of what the first episode is reportedly called for House of the Dragon season two. The first episode is called A Sun for a Sun. If anyone's familiar with what goes down in the books, I'm sure you just got chills. I got chills when I first found out what was called. I think Tony did as well. It's the first thing he said. It's the first thing he mentioned to me once we hopped on the call today. I was like, did you see what they called, uh, what they titled uh, season two, episode one? So in, in the novel Fire and Blood, Damon sends a letter from Heron Hall, and it just says, an eye for an eye, a son for a son. And there's a, another line I'm just going to keep, uh, I won't say because it'll spoil it a little bit. If we're going to start with this episode, that means the finale of this episode is going to be bonkers, or it's going to be yeah. episode two, which will make the Red Wedding seem tame in comparison. I think we mentioned this on, on your other podcast, but we both had a very, I think we both disagreed on which episode would be the Red Wedding equivalent or like a, like the thing that will be a step up from the Red Wedding because I think that that's coming down the line, but this is huge. It, it's going to change the, the landscape of, the show. Of, of everything and how people view certain people. I, I'm being very vague here. As we should be, as we should be, honestly. <laughs> because in Game of Thrones, you it was clear cut. You have good mm -hmm. people, you have bad people. But when you read Fire and Blood, you're like, who do I root for here? Everybody's bad. Yeah, especially you know what I mean? like, with, like the the Damon. differing accounts. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we we we're supporting Team Black, or most of the people will say I'm Team Black. 
Mm-hmm. But you have Damon, who's a murderer, who has killed his wife. He's done so many things, and we're just like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's cool. I love that. And I, the thing is, after season one, I don't know if you were, or if you were aware of this, or if you witnessed it like firsthand. But on San Twitter, there were so many fights between the team Blacks and Team Greens. You would suspect that this is a real war happening in our in our world if you read fights on social media that are going on because they were very adamant like with their allegiances and a lot of people were that way after season one but as you said season two is just going to change all of that um it's going to make people question who they side with and i love that because that's how we're supposed to they're all in the gray area which yeah it's it's going to be difficult like i said game of thrones is like start good lannister bad which you know, like shouldn't be lannister also bad, like if you white walker's with... bad you know it's yeah. so easy it is easy but then like if you it's easy to pick yeah yeah, that's perfectly said because if you're engaging with this like as you should like even game of thrones then you realize that it's it's not as simple as just this is good this is bad but it's easy to pick but um with house the dragon it's not going to be easy to stick i think to your to your allegiances no matter where they are like it's going to be hard not to uh look at it from a critical point of view which i think is going to be very exciting to see i'm I'm so excited to see how the fans react to everything that goes down to reassure everyone though while season one of house of the dragon was in excellent hands with showrunner and executive producer miguel spotnik who was excellent uh with his work in game of thrones people taking over for season two are just as great a new executive producer this season is alan taylor who directed seven episodes of Game of Thrones in the past, including the last two episodes of season one, which are excellent. Come on, we all have to admit it. So we, we've said his name in the podcast before. Next steps for Adam Taylor to be interviewed on the podcast. <laughs> Let's manifest it. Um, and still serving as showrunner for House of the Dragon is Ryan J. Condell, who also worked on season one along with Miguel Sapochnik. He's actually a close friend of George R. R. Martin, which is a good thing. Um, and Condell actually wanted to adapt Duncan Egg before it was before House of the Dragon was even greenlit. It's actually quite ironic because he was George's pick and then they picked him for House of the Dragon since Duncan Egg wasn't a thing. But then now since Duncan Egg is going to be a thing, he has also been hired as the showrunner of that as well. You know, speaking of Duncan and Egg, I just finished rereading it last week. This time I enjoyed it more and it's probably because now I know it's going to be a show. And while I'm reading it, I'm trying to visualize who's going to be Duncan, who's going to be Egg, how they're going to shoot certain scenes, and oh, how they're going to do this at night and the day, how they're going to build these these sets. So I'm thinking about all that, and so I, that got me excited. And, and I, know, I know you read the book as well, Minwal, but this show for me is going to be all about casting. Sir Duncan is, I think, six feet, eight inches tall. So he's a huge guy, kind of like the mountain. For people who don't know, he is a, a lonely knight, hedge knight who roams the realm trying to seek tournaments to participate so that way he can make money. And in the first tournament that we follow him in in the book, he ends up meeting this little kid who just bugs him to be his squire. He eventually agrees and the two set off on an adventure. They meet up with familiar people with names you've heard a million times in Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, you're going to see like the dialogue, the banner, the house names will all remind you of Westeros. But with Duncan the Tall, he reminds you like a Ned Stark and a Barrister Selmy because he is yeah. an upstanding guy. Everything he does has to be on the up and up. He refuses to get ahead in life if it means cheating or being dishonorable. So that's going to be interesting to see who they cast. And then you have Egg, who he's a little scrawny, quick-witted, smart-ass who delivers lines with like the humor and sarcasm. I first thought it was going to be like the Hound and Arya, but the Hound is not honorable at yeah, all. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arya has that same fight in her. In a very weird way, I can kind of see it as though... It was Ned with Arya if she wasn't his daughter. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, I think that that gives you some indication, but uh, like just some very, like it's not, doesn't, they don't, doesn't really compare, but that just gives you some idea. And I think, as you said, casting is key because the dynamic is key. I think to nail yeah. that would be really, really hard. I think just like finding someone that like visually fits the description can be, like will be okay, but it's just the chemistry that they have to nail yes. uh, for it, this it, to work. We're not going to say what characters eventually become, because I think for the people who don't know about the material, 
it's going to be fun and a great surprise when you see it evolve in the show. I read the book, but it's been ages because I think I just like binge read it in one sitting or like in one day, not long after like I bought the book. And it was actually the first thing that I ever read that George, not that George wrote, but that um, was set in Westeros because I mentioned that this is like now I'm getting into the books, like the Game of Thrones books. This was before uh, like I actually got into A Song of Ice and Fire and like the story of Ned and everything. This was the first thing that I, one of the first things that I read. And I really recommend it because it's just like three short stories. You know, you can read it in a weekend or something. And then like if you, like you can easily put the pieces together for how the, yeah. How this fits in, I, I I would say, into the world of Westeros and history. So yeah. uh, if the Game of Thrones books are too intimidating, then if you haven't read them yet, then definitely start here. And especially if you're a student of the show of Game of Thrones <laughs> and House of the Dragon, it's not going to be intimidating to read this book yeah. because you'll see all those names pop up. Oh, I know that house. I know that last name. I know, you know, all the dialogue and, and, and vernacular they use in the book. You're, you're not going to be like, what? what is this? Yeah, like, like, I mean, like, I get the intimidation because I felt it went with the actual books. Like, because this is a novella, it's, it'll be very easy and there's no, like, you don't need to be hesitant. Just, yeah. just grab the book and read it in one weekend. Yeah, I have the, it's good. <laughs> I have the hardcover and it has 325 pages. And I think there's just three chapters. So each chapter is just, it's one story. So each story has like 100 pages or so. Yeah, just get it, read it. I don't know when this will even come out. Probably twenty twenty six because yeah, not, nothing has been said. We just know that it was greenlit. We'll we'll get this spinoff before any of the other rumored ones, like Aegon's Shore, anything like that. This is going to be, I think, the, the next one after House of the Dragon. Yeah. But one of the reasons that it could be delayed further, or it could be delayed to that date, is because of the ongoing strikes, which I believe Tony wants to mention. Yeah, I read a quote two months ago that George said that House of the Dragon was one of the few shows that was still shooting. And he said that he was told, like, he's not a writer on the show, but he has all the inside scoop. He said that the second seat, like, it was half done. All of the scripts had been finished way before the WGA strike began. So no writing has been done. No rewriting of the scripts has been done since, to the best of his knowledge. He also continues by saying that House of the Dragon is shot mostly in London, a little bit in Wales, Spain, and various other locations, which is why filming has continued. The actors are members of the British Union, Equity, not SAG-AFTRA. And though Equity strongly supports their American cousins, he said, they have a big rally plan to show that support. But British law forbids them from staging a sympathy strike. So luckily for us and luckily for the actors, all the scripts were done uh, before they filmed season two. But another thing that's also maybe a point of concern is the fact that though the scripts were done, the Writers Guild is also on strike. So that means that no writers could be present while they were shooting the scenes. And... I mean, in a way, I can see that can be a bad thing because obviously, you know, they rewrite scripts on set all the time. You need a script supervisor. Like That's kind of a, a necessary thing on set. So it's trying to see a silver lining, trying to see any good in the situation. I think that that might mean that that gives more uh, freedom to the to the actors who can probably improvise, which again could be a good or a bad thing because you know sometimes writers, sometimes actors just say do things on a whim and it works perfectly and it's better than any writer could have come up just because they're so into their role. But on the other hand, I'm really scared that someone says something and then the director is like, yeah, let's do that, but that there's no one there to be like actually that contradicts something. That's you know what I mean. That happened in a previous episode yeah. and it may be a point of concern. It's a valid point of concern. Uh, it's just something to keep in mind when season two does come around because they, you know, make the decision not to wait, which is, of course, understandable. But at the same time, it's like, this is the risk. This is the risk that, that yeah. they took. See, writing is difficult because you don't write something, but like, here you go. Bye. I'm yeah. done. You're it's there. Just you're that, supervising. Yeah. You're supervising the shoot and go, oh, by the way, can you say it like this? Yeah. You see this word? I want you to say it with more vigor or I want you to say it really calmly. To yeah. you know, invoke this, or let me rewrite this scene really fast because it doesn't yeah. work. And now that I see it on screen or I see it acted, I need to change it because it mm -hmm. doesn't work. So when you don't have that and you're just following the script, unless unless they all sat down and said, "Hey, by the way, let me troubleshoot some things. If it doesn't work, if this doesn't work, you can do this. You can do that. You can do this." Yeah. If 
they did that i don't know who knows i mean yeah. like i like you said we you know hopefully everything is okay the strikes delayed many films and series that were set to premiere this time of year or even next year because they just can't work on on their project but thankfully that doesn't seem like the case for house of the dragon it's still set to premiere next year probably towards the end of the year maybe this time next year autumn slash winter 2024 no i think this this show will definitely um, be released next year last year premiered in august since it's only eight episodes it could probably premiere in september to give me time to read fire and blood like cover to cover and back again and numerous times now let's jump into the casting news because obviously with the new season that means we have new characters most of the cast is returning, obviously, as one could expect, save for Paddy Constantine, of course, who was brilliant in season one as Viserys Targaryen, and of course, unfortunately, the actor who plays Lucerys Valerian. It's worth noting that new actors may join the cast as their nearest younger children might be aged up down the line. So that includes Joffrey, Aegon, and Viserys, their nearest kids. Um, there's no word of it happening. It doesn't seem like it's happened for season two. Uh, sorry to interrupt you because no, I just thought of something. You know that in season one, the show omitted Viserys and Alicent's fourth kid, Darren yeah. Targaryen. Yeah. So there in the book, Darren Targaryen is sent at a very young age to Old Town to be fostered or be a ward. And in our next episode, we'll get into all that, what it means to be fostered. But then I saw rumors about a young kid being casted as Darren Targaryen. And then that seems to have gone away. And I don't see that anymore. So I don't know if they're just going to completely omit him from the show. It, it definitely does seem that Darren was like bumped off the family tree for, for the TV adaptation. Um, but it's likely that the reason that he just wasn't present is because, you know, as you as you mentioned, he was fostered. And they probably just didn't want to go through the trouble of recasting him, especially as a kid. Um, you know, we've seen how House of the Dragon season one kind of sped through things or like fast forwarded through certain events that they deemed un. I don't want to say unimportant, but through a lot of uh, changes and events where you saw Rhaenyra's kids aged up and everything. So I think that they, and as you said, there are rumors that he could appear in season two. There's even an actor who kind of played into the rumors that he was cast as Darren, his name, Jack Cunningham Nuttall. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and this news is pretty recent, actually. So it's kind of hard to tell. It's really, it's usually hard to tell um, this early on, but who knows? We might finally see him. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have castings for other characters, people that we are familiar with, uh, if you've read the books. Um, one of the characters is Alice Rivers. Um, she will be played by an actress called Gail Rankin. And Alice Rivers is kind of an important and very interesting character we're going to meet this next season. Um, Alice is described as a healer and a resident of Harrenhal, but in the books, she's also a wet nurse and a witch who kind of has mystical visions, and she's a very powerful figure in the Greens faction. Um, it's interesting to see another character that's a wet nurse slash witch because it did not go well the last time we saw such a character, you know, with Daenerys in season one. And in the book, there are different claims as to the types of magic that she deal, deals with, even though it's agreed upon that she is involved with some type of magic. There, One take says that she's interested in potions, or that she's a wood witch, or that she's an enchantress. Um, but they pretty much all agree that she's unusually young or youthful looking for her age. And that reminds me, of course, of another character from Game of Thrones, who's Melisandre. To get a Melisandre-type character in House of the Dragon would be very interesting. And also, like seeing such a character in the Greens faction, I think would be very interesting because, um, because of Alicent, and you know how she's very like stubborn with her morals and her ethics or whatever. And you know she's to see, and I think that that would all be very would be put into question maybe yeah, like, with such like, a character. See how she, uh, while in her high horse, how yeah. she reacts. Now, Alice, the character I just mentioned, has the last name Rivers, which, of course, is an indication that she is an illegitimate child. Um, and it seems as though she's in, or it's rumored that she's an illegitimate child from House Strong. And, of course, we have met the Strong brothers um, and their dad in season one, of, um, though it's not mentioned if um, the characters are related. But another strong family member is is making an appearance in season two, and that's Sir Simon Strong. Um, who would be played by Simon Russell Beale. Not much is known about Sir Simon Strong, except that he is the Castellan. 
So he's like the Lord of Harrenhal and great uncle to Lord Lars Strong. But another character we're meeting for the first time who is related to another character we're familiar with is a character by the name of Sir Gwen. That's G with a G, not Dwayne Gwen Hightower. So, of course, with the name Hightower, you already know who this person is related to. Sir Gwen Hightower is the son of Otto Hightower and brother to Queen Alicent. So that means that he's also uncle to her children, King Aegon and Queen Helena, and of course, Prince Aemond. This character will be played by an actor called Freddie Fox, and we haven't met him in the show. And supposedly, Alicent has another brother as well, though that brother is never, ever mentioned. Um, but Gwen seems to be a character of importance. And if the show didn't do all its time jumps, then we probably would have met him already, since he participated in a tourney in King's Landing to celebrate the fifth anniversary of King Viserys and his marriage to Alicent, which is Gwen's, who was Gwen's sister, of course, as I mentioned. And Gwen served as a as one of his sister's champions during the tourney, but he was ultimately unhorsed by Sir Kristen Cole. There are also two characters that are likely going to make an appearance in season two, and they're quite important characters. Um, and they are Adam Valerian and Alan of Hull. Um, their casting has been rumored. An actor called Clinton Liberty is possibly uh, playing Adam Valerian, but it's confirmed or seemingly confirmed that an actor called Abu Bakr Salim is rumored to play Alan of Hull, uh, who is described to be a sailor in the Valerian fleet who served in the Stepstones campaign. Now, I don't really want to go into a lot of detail about these two characters because it would be going to spoiler territory a little bit. But I will say that both of these characters, um, their origins remain a matter of dispute among historians. There's definitely more to their origins than background in front for those who read the books. So likely... And to be understood to those who who are familiar with the books. Um, and it's all rumor based, like within the world of Westeros, not just to us. Um, what I will say about them that's unrelated to their background is that their involvement with the war is kind of the product of a plot line that was changed in season one. Something happened in season one that didn't happen in the books. And and if they follow the books, then that would kind of open the door very easily for Adam and Alan. So I'm really curious as to how they'll be introduced because their involvement kind of relies on that abandoned plotline from season one. Minois, you did such an amazing job tiptoeing around this info, <laughs> trying not to spoil <laughs> it. But let's just say it's Lenor. Lenor's death yeah. in the <laughs> novel uh, changed the trajectory of House Valerian and how their involvement in the war. But now that in the show, Lenor is alive, I might change things and might say, well, is Lenor coming back? How does that affect his dragon? How does it affect his involvement if he even comes back? That's one of the things I'm most interested in season two, how those characters, if they're just, if they're just gonna follow the novel and just pretend that, Lenor's and Essos or wherever he's at. But there's other implications about that, but I won't, I'll tiptoe here and, and won't say anything because I don't want to spoil that. So we'll just leave it there. Yeah. Before I say any other maybe possible spoiler for the thing, I'm just going to move on to the next um, casting such character for season two. Um, and weirdly enough, this. Is also a very vague character that we have for season two because this report just states that an actress named Anna Francolini or Francellini um, has been cast as Lady Malister. Now, Lady Malister just just that that isn't, I believe, a character from the books because I can't recall her and I couldn't find any information on her. Just a Lady Malister, but House Malister of Seaguard is one of the most prominent noble houses from the Riverlands. It's likely that we're going to our characters venture to hear or meet this character because they want to win her allegiance, obviously. I assume that that's how she'll come into play because otherwise she's not really mentioned in any way. And the last new casting that we have so far for season two is the casting for a character named Lady Jane Aaron, who's going to be played by an actress named Amanda Collin. Lady Jane Aaron is the Lady of the Eyrie, who is also known as Maiden of the Vale. Um, in the new season, Jane is expected to interact with just Sarah Targaryen in the earlier episodes. They are somewhat related, since Rhaenyra's mom, Emma, is an heir. Um, it seems like she's going to be a supporting character, not necessarily a minor one, but not necessarily a huge character as well. There are also differing reports I've seen for actors who are going to play the roles of characters named, or 
I should say nicknamed Blood and Cheese. You know who those characters are if you read the books. I'm not going to give any description as to who they are. Supposedly, an actor named Mark Stobart will play Cheese and an actor named Sam C. Wilson will play Blood. But then again, an actress named Nicola Wright was also uh, supposedly cast as a rat catcher for season two. So it could be that they're playing around with it or they're just releasing different uh, names or, or that one of the reports was incorrect, but we have three names circling these roles at the moment. Um, the actress that I mentioned could also just be playing a rat catcher, not necessarily um, one of the other characters, because there was also a list of castings for characters that are, were just listed as, for example, sailor, servant, uh, you know, nobleman, noblewoman, stuff like that. So um, those are like minor characters. So it's very unclear at the moment, as I said, it's very hard to tell. I think the biggest character they haven't casted yet is Craig and Stark. Yeah. And we did get a question from Sweet Mama 07. Uh, I posted a prompt for questions. One of the questions I asked, like, who would you like to see play Craig and Stark? And she mentioned Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy. I think he's an amazing actor in everything he does, but he is too old. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Craig and Stark is probably in his late teens, early, early 20s, the same age as Triceras. So they'll have to pick a young actor. Is there any rumors for Craig and Stark? Yes, there's a rumor. An actor from the Vikings Valhalla series named Leo Suter is rumored to play Craig and Stark. I googled a photo of him. He seems like a Stark. Uh, I don't think I'd be too upset about that casting. Seems good enough. Um, I, I haven't seen the show, so I can't comment on his acting skills. The show that he's been on, I mean. Looks wise, who does he, who does he remind you of in, in Game of Thrones? He kind of looks like a buff Benjamin. <laughs> if I were to describe this actor in any other way, um, with like a little bit of Kit Harrington, but no, no, definitely a, Actually, like a buffer Benjamin. I just looked him up on Google and uh, oh, his hair is magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> he has that Rob Stark hair. Nah, it was nicer on Rob. <laughs> oh, any other no. rumored actors? No, but I have seen like fan castings and all, and I have seen a couple of people say that they want a Scottish actor named Jack Loudon or Loden to play him. With, and I think that that wouldn't be a bad pick as well, though this guy is a bit older. He's in his 30s. So I think that this rumored actor, Leo Suter, would be a good, a good pick. So we're not going to dive into the spoilers for season two. Obviously, we're not going to say that this is how the, the storyline is going to play out. We're, we're not, we don't plan to do that. Um, but obviously, you just heard us mention that a key character this season is going to be a Stark. Um, so, and if you recall from the finale or the end of House of the Dragon, uh, Rhaenyra sent her son Jaceris North to visit Craig and Stark, to go to the Starks and to visit Winterfell. So obviously we're going to get some scenes there, which is very exciting. But there's actually something quite concerning um, that might have come out of that. Because it's been rumoured that House of the Dragon season two may include the undead. So that rumour comes from a reference board that was spotted on set in the makeup trailer and the reference board was just labelled the undead. So and, and it's likely and it's likely used for extras. Um, and this is backed up by a photo too. It's not just a report. Uh, if you can Google it and and, and see it. Um, and the photos on the board don't necessarily look like whites. They just look like the undead, like maybe just a rotting corpse or a corpse that has just come back to life rather than, you, you know, the very northern whites that we've seen in the show. But then again, the fact that we're going north says that maybe they include it as another uh, link between House of the Dragon and season two because they have done that unnecessary link in season one with the reference to Azor High and the prince that was promised and everything. It's just a way to link the two the two shows together that isn't canon in the books or that, that doesn't really exist in the books. Um, and it's just done for the fans' sake, I should say. Or it could be that they're just using those photos as, as reference photos for makeup looks it could be for yeah. uh, like a decomposing body for the reg a regular dead we, whatever we can't way really you try to say it i'll be disappointed if they do that <laughs> I, you're trying to figure out a way how how it will work and i'm just saying yeah. no to everything unless it's just like craig and Stark talking about the undead yeah. to Jaceres while they're just hanging out in the north and there's yeah. like a flashback or something but there's no point to show the undead yeah. Because yeah, no, one, is never mentioned in the novel. And two, we don't need that to be included in a shortened season already mm -hmm. and waste time on something that 
doesn't have any relevance in the future. Season eight was perfect. And and all the White Walker stuff was handled perfectly. Yeah, that would be kind of cool to go back and see that. But now that we know we have that bitter taste in our mouth. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. We don't we don't we don't want to be like, oh, remember this? Yeah. Remember how we toured with you guys for eight years or ten years and then we just it was done in one episode. Here we're gonna yeah. give you a little flashback or whatever. Yeah. So I I, I hope it's a rumor. I just or I just hope that somebody put that up. Just to mess with people, <laughs> like a prank, maybe. Or that it's just for a regular dead body. Like that's yeah. the only explanation I'll, I'll accept, honestly. Like yeah. if they're doing the undead, then as you said, Craig and Star kind of telling the stories of the undead and the whites and everything too. Uh, just there could be something, but then again, as you said, that's just a waste of limited screen time. We already have. Yeah, it should just be for a regular corpse <laughs> that's going to be played by a human for some reason. Like that. That's it. That's the only explanation that I that I'll accept. All right, let's get into some questions that, and they're all related to House of the Dragon, so it's going to be fun. Uh, first or second question, uh, since we got one from Sweet Mama from Lulu Reviews. So Lewis asks, character you're most excited to see again in season two? Since he specifies again, I'll say Rhaenyra, because I think at this point we're going to see Rhaenyra in an entirely different light. Like we're going to see Rhaenyra like, at, like past the point of no return. Um, I, my second pick or someone that I was going to say was going to be Damon, but I think that with Damon, like even if we see him kind of push the boundaries of what he could be, it's still Damon. <laughs> Whereas with Rhaenyra, I think she's past the point of no return. She's a completely different person now after the loss of her her son. So I think that that's, that's going to be the most interesting to see. I think I agree with you because that last shot of season one, yeah. those eyes pierce through my soul. Yeah. And I saw a woman who was completely destroyed and now is saying, it's my turn. But I also have a second character, like an honorable mention. Um, I want to see how they deal with Amon after killing Lucerus. Like, I want to see yeah. that scene of him returning to King's Landing and going, um, I, <laughs> I, I killed Lucerus. I know. I I'm st- I still have mixed feelings on how they adapted that last bit with Eamon's reaction to it because it was like framed as an accident, even though in the book, I don't, don't think it was intended no. to be an accident. Because of that, I think they tried to humanize him a little bit. I, I kind of wonder how they're going to... I do want to see that that scene that you mentioned. I think it's going to be um, interesting. And Alison's reaction to it too, because I think that she knows that that's it, like that. They're, they're past the point of no return, not past yeah. that point. I think I think they're going to have Allison react in a heartbreaking way. Because yes, mm. your son lost an eye, but now you killed Renera's son. I have two questions from movie underscore critic double zero. His first question is, what's your biggest critique of season one of House of the Dragon? Off the top of my head, I think for, I, I first want to say that this might change after I rewatch House of the Dragon. But off the top of my head, I will say that it's just that we didn't spend enough time with the characters. It's the time jumps. It's um, the fact that I wish we had even longer episodes. Because I think that if we just had a little bit more time with the characters and just see how they reacted to certain circumstances, or you know, and I mean every character, not just one or two, uh, because we did, for example, see we would see Renair's reaction to something but not Addison's or Addison's reaction to something but not Renair or, or for example but not Viserys or not Otto or something so I think that if we just spent some more time with them if the show was a bit slower and more thoughtful in its pace then I think I would have appreciated it more because you know as I mentioned or as we mentioned earlier on the episode like we need that time we need to spend those intimate moments with these characters um, I guess establish a bond between us or to kind of strengthen our sympathies and our our love for these characters. So uh, I think that's the biggest critique off the top of my head. It's just that we don't spend enough time with the characters in season one. I agree. I think that's my biggest critique. It also doesn't give enough time for us to build uh, our sympathy for the characters, like you said. We see the the actress who played Lena in episode six. Oh, yes. For one episode. That's it. Yeah. And even though her death was horribly beautiful (laughs) because she is asking her own dragon to kill her because she wants to go out on her own terms on her own terms she wasn't going to die 
like Queen Emma did in episode one, she's not going to go through that. You're seeing the scene, which is amazing, but you're not like bawling your eyes out because we don't know this this woman. We've seen her for yeah. one episode. Same with Lucerus. He yes. unfortunately dies, but we only saw the kid for two episodes. Yes. So yes, we know that's Renera's son, and that's really impactful. We feel sorry for her, but imagine if we had that same actor for ten episodes. Yes, it yes. would have been so much. Not that we needed him for ten episodes, but at least five or six or or something <laughs> like like like, like Millie yeah. Alcock. Like let's say let's say yes. she was playing yes. a different character, but at least she had five episodes, mm-hmm. and we would have felt something for her if her she was playing a different character and she died. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I, that this season should have, I wish it would have had like 12 episodes, at least yes. two extra ones, just to give some more time to breathe with the with the time jump. So you can't have a time jump and then the next episode have another time jump. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree. I think that if not 12 episodes, then at least make the episodes longer so we can spend more time with them because I know that they are kind of intent on like maximum being 10 episodes. So if you're going to give us an episode, then at least make the episodes not significant longer, but like at least an hour and a half, I think would have been would have been perfect, at least like, at the, or like an hour and 10 minutes for some of the key episodes this season. Or at least if you're if they're so intent on not do, going that route, then I wouldn't have minded or I wouldn't have thought there would be a problem if season one was just like the younger Renero almost with like Millie Alcock and maybe... Uh, like the last two episodes being the older versions of the characters. And I always thought that season one would end with Aegon's uh, coronation. So like episode nine, I yeah. always thought like in my head, I envisioned that to be the the uh, the ending, the, like, the last scene or like the last the last shot of season one. Uh, like team, Black's, team Black's reaction would have been the season opener of season two. Um, no, season, no. The, yeah, yes. Sorry, I got confused. Right, so, um, Shava Enthusiast, let me just give him a shout out because he asked, his question was, thoughts on the time jumps, did it hurt or help the show? I think we just answered that mm-hmm. it, in our opinion, it it didn't like super hurt it. Yeah, yeah I think it's only helped people that really, I'm going to say, this is a weird thing to say, but a lot of people watched House the Dragon before ever watching Game of Thrones. I don't know if you noticed that a lot of people that did that, but I have heard people come to me and just say, oh, you know, I watched House the Dragon not watching Game of Thrones. And I think that for them, it might have worked because are the type of people that don't have the patience to watch Game of Thrones. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Game of Thrones always they felt, don't uh, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. They it just felt like it. too long, too slow, and then it's so it it was a good thing for that crowd. And I mean, if you're that type of person, that's fine too. There's no like right or wrong. But I'm just saying, like I think that if it's helped, it only helped the new audiences. Yeah. So let me ask the second question from movie underscore critic double zero. His second question is pretty simple: Team Green or Black? Team Blacks. <laughs> what about you yeah i'm team black all, all the way but then like i said it's gonna get muddled our stances i think a lot of people who are team green will go to team black. it's gonna like switch up everybody's allegiances will will switch up but trust yeah. me for, for the I next mean, season it's gonna be like we're just gonna be viewers of this show and not support anybody <laughs> yeah which is gonna make it i think more fun for some and less fun for the others. You know what I mean? Uh, but even now, like when I think about Alice, my heart breaks for her because she never, I don't want to say she never did anything wrong, but you know what I mean? Like she's, she was just trying her best too. You know, like she yes. also has sad stories she too. So I it. love sympathizing yeah. with all of the, with everyone. You, so like with, with Team Blacks, Team Greens, but I think at the end of the day, it's just like, I can't not back Renira. I can't like I like that was her right and it was stolen from her. I do sometimes think about Allison and go, you know what, this person did her duty for so long. Mm. She was noble. She was honorable to Viserys. Uh she never cheated on him as far as we know. Did whatever her dad said. And then mm-hmm. she had to do that while watching Renera do whatever she want. Be free and do I can do whatever because I could I'll run to daddy and he'll he'll be okay with it. She was just like this bottle of anger, and it just boiled up to when when Eamon lost his eye, and she just went insane. Which I don't fault her for doing that. It's heartbreaking, honestly. Her Addison's story, like I, like I've said, it's heartbreaking. I was gonna say that, like I kind of relate to that because you just, I'm the type of person where I always like to follow the rules. So 
I kind of, I totally see where Alison's coming from. But at the same time, you're like, someone's right was just stolen from them. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, Alison doesn't to blame. I would more consider it. It's the way she goes about it. The the scheming is what makes her a villain. Yeah. Yeah, She knows her husband wasn't talking about her son and his deathbed. And she's like, oh, he said this in his last breath. And everybody's pretty much snickering and laughing like, he didn't say that. Yeah. You know, even Aegon in the carriage is like, really? He had 20 <laughs> years to say something to me. And in his last breath, he said my name. He didn't care about me. Why would he mm-hmm. use his last breath to mention me? I'll say nothing else because it seems like we're going to hate the greens and the blacks. But I just think that once that first few episodes, it'll establish new grounds of allegiances. That's all I'll say about that. All right, next question is from DJ Mark 528 His question is, are any of the House of the Dragon characters make your top 10 list of favorites overall in the Song of Ice and Fire? Oh, um, I'm not sure. The thing is, we only have one season of House of the Dragon, like eight seasons plus the books of Game of Thrones. So I feel like the Game of Thrones characters are inherently richer. So for that, I love them more. If I said you have to pick one. Okay, yeah. Okay, if I have to pick one. I was going to say, like, I, I, I was going to say that there might be one. Yeah. And that's Rhaenyra. If I'm being like, a bit more open, then I might even include Alicent too, just because of all the reasons I mentioned. I think that she's such a fascinating and complex character as well. Uh, those two are, are, are would be my favorites. And I think that Rhaenyra might... One of them. It's what's gonna change. See, you, see, we keep saying it's gonna change with season two. It's changing already for me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who to include. Maybe Renera because I feel like it's a bias. But I don't know. I'm gonna pick somebody totally different. I'm not gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Corliss. Okay, Corliss Velaryon. I think he's so cool. He's so he looks so damn cool. I was gonna say Viserys, but he dies. And Viserys in the book is not as yeah, no, boring. Not as and well, Viserys yeah. in the show. Patty Constantine brings him alive and he's so amazing in the role, obviously. Yeah, and can we just uh, mention that it's like they robbed him of an Emmy nomination, which is just horrible. Yes. Like, he deserved an Emmy for that performance because he was amazing. He 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 infused that character so, with so much life. I also thought about Damon, but then, you know what? I He's just so morally corrupt. and I, I need somebody like, like, at least Corliss has his morality left. Yeah. And his I mean, nobleness. And I, We'll see about nobleness soon, but yeah, okay. <laughs> We're taking too long with this question. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's which is, it. I want to add one more thing because didn't George say that that Damon is one of his favorites? His Damon is his favorite Targaryen. The, I just want to mention that. Yeah, yeah. We had we shared that clip in our last episode with George. He said that Damon oh, okay. was his uh, his yeah. rogue prince. He loves his rogue prince. So it's funny that that's our. Favorite characters don't really align with George's favorites. I think that everyone loves Damon just because he's like a very, he's such a wild card. Such a bad (laughs) boy. (laughs) Yes, but also such a wild card. Yeah, like I think it's it's the bad boy appeal plus the wild card appeal. Like, oh, you never know what this person's going to do. In a way, very weird comparison, like Tyrion. You never know what Tyrion's going to say. You never know what Tyrion's going to do. Kind of. Do you see where I'm coming from? Like, yeah, he's, he, he, it's just so funny because season one, like, Damon would just show up out of nowhere. And yeah. just like sit down and he's kind of like the the elephant in the room that shows up yeah. because he shows up to the wedding of of Lenore and yeah. Renera and people are like, what? And then he just he's there at the funeral and he just he's there to just like like stir the he, he's the straw that stirs the drink, kind of like he has to be there to stir st- stuff up. Yeah, that's definitely what makes Damon so appealing. I think it's just unpredictability of him. But I feel like at the moment, House of the Dragon has like such an interesting look on like these two female characters being at the center of it. And they're also very unpredictable and have their own agency in a way, you know, with Renera and Alison. Alison doesn't, but like now she does almost, you know, she has some standing on her own at the end of season one. I think that that's just what makes them more interesting to me, which is just seeing it through like female characters. I also think that Damon has this, why he's popular online with the ladies and guys alike is that he is a no-nonsense guy. Like, he takes charge. Mm-hmm. He's the yeah. complete opposite of his brother. His yes. brother's like, no, no, we can't do this. We can't. No, he's going to be there. He's going to go attack the crab feeder. 
by himself. He's yes, going to take yep. them all out. He's going to go and he's like, let's go right now. We have the dragons. Let's kill these people. Like he's, he wants to, he's taking charge and he wants to get things done now. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, people like that and his hair. It, it's all the combination yeah. of all that stuff. So. Yeah. It's hard not to get the appeal of Damon, I'd say. Yeah. Next question is from movie underscore lover. He asked, favorite moments of House of the Dragon? So we have a ton of favorite moments. So how about we just like, because we we, we could be here for an hour. Uh, why don't we just pick two if the top of your head, if you have two favorite moments. Okay, I had to, I literally had two off the top of my head. The first one being uh, Rhaenyra's reaction at the very, very end of the series. Or very end of season one, I should say. That's, I think, more, one of my favorite moments. And then, and then the other one is Viserys's walk towards the throne room. I don't think I mentioned that the last time I discussed House of Dragon, my favorites, but uh, it's, it's, those were the 12 top of my head, so I'm just going to say that it's those two. What about you? I had the exact same two, but I'm going to switch it up and do two different okay. ones so we don't have the same. Uh, but you took the two best, so that's not fair. Um, you asked me first. <laughs> Dibs. <laughs> okay, the first one is not really... It's a moment where we see the grand scale of Vagar and it's the season finale. Oh, yeah. Oh, that where shot. He is, yeah, that shot above in the clouds and the storm and the lightning where you see the silhouette of Vagar above uh, Luceris. It just shows you how massive that dragon is. And then to think about that's not even half the size of <laughs> the Black Dread <laughs> makes your head explode. Yeah. So my second one, I'm going to pick a scene. I think it's from episode seven. Eamon gets his eye cut out. And it's that whole drama that happens where where Allison grabs a knife. And that whole tense scene of her saying, I want your son's eye, an eye for an eye. And she's ordering Kristen Cole (laughs) to, you know, remove his eye. And then, of course, we get our hero. Damon, who just steps yeah. in and just stops Cole. I think that's one of the best scenes of the, of the series. Uh, Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook were both incredible in that scene. Award-winning scene for me. Our last question is from Shan from Forager. She asked, do you think season two will be better than season one? It's so hard to say, I think, because I have a lot of concerns with season two. Like, all right, which is the short episode count, the fact that there are no writers on set. Ugh, I don't know. I, I think it could be. I know we're gonna get way more dragon fights. Yeah, so we're gonna more have dragons, more, more dragon action. Fights, that's for sure, more action. We're gonna have we're gonna have some ships duking it out. So it's gonna be a lot of action. I'm saying a lot, I'm just assuming. Who knows if they're gonna save some of that for season three? The season two are gonna have some of the most shocking moments, moments you've seen on screen of any. Sh- Thing game of thrones has ever shown so i think that will surpass season one the shock value so that that's pretty much my answer i i think it, it has the possibility season one was so good so again we're just gonna have to see once it comes out for all of us we're hoping that it is because we want every yeah. season of your favorite show to be better than the previous one right yeah exactly like you don't want to say oh season one is my favorite and it's like 10 seasons <laughs> You know, yeah. you want to make sure that it's it's even though I said that season two was my favorite. <laughs> so we'll see after our, our recap. But those are all the questions. Uh thank you everybody for sending them in on Instagram. I think that's the most questions we've had so far. Yeah, let's just know if you want us to do regular news uh recaps uh every time we get like a good amount of news and things to report on when it comes to Ask the Dragon, because we definitely are interested in doing that as well. Yeah, I think this was fun for me because I we haven't really talked about House of the Dragon yet. Yeah. And it talking about it makes me want to just go hurry up and watch the first episode. Yeah, and, me too. Me too. And I'm I'm dying for them to say, okay, this is the start date of season yeah. two. That way we can kind of plan and go, okay, this is when we're gonna start recapping season one. Cause we're definitely gonna do that before season two comes out. We'll do what we did with season one of Game of Thrones and revisit analyze everything and we might change our answers to all this uh when we actually put our critics hat on uh but for those who are asking about when are we starting season two of game of thrones we have two more episodes after this 
that we have recorded and, and ready to go. I'm going to say, just to be safe, sometime in October, we'll start recapping season two of Game of Thrones. Because trust me, I restarted the book. I'm like 10 chapters in and I go, oh my God, here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Have you started book two yet, Minois? No. Oh, what's I with? I know because I have the physical book. I don't have the physical book with me. So I don't want to start reading it as an ebook. Even though the book I'm reading now is an ebook, oh but I, I'll I'll get to it. I'll get. I promise. I'm I. Folks, you I, hear I, that? I do. I do. I promise. I want to. I'm. I. I promise. It's the beginning. Of course, I'm going to do, do it. Do you course. hear that? All I hear is excuses. No, I'm a fast reader, Tony. I can I can catch up. I'm a fast reader. Everyone, okay. let me enjoy my brief break from a medieval grim setting because i'm reading a very nice cute book at the moment and i need it <laughs> so let me i was trying this. to i was trying to do all i was trying to read a night in the seven kingdoms i was trying to read fire and blood and also Clash of kings i'm like i need to My finish God. one i'm trying to do all three at the same time I'm like okay where am i at on this one i'm like okay let me just focus on one first so now i finished a night of the seven kingdoms and now i'm doing uh, clash of kings and then after that once we know about Fire and or season two of House of the Dragon, I'll restart Fire and Blood because that that one's oh, yeah. also an easy or it's not that that long. No, it's e- it's easy to it's easy. And also, you could just Fire and Blood than one would expect. You can just forward to show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to like read the the previous prequel and, stuff. Like I remember when I was reading Fire and Blood, I was just like, the events that's happened in season one are just a few pages. Like this is knitted. I was just like they did so much they added so much more than what yeah. George gave them. You know what I mean? Like they added so much more to that. So uh I'm I'm very excited for season two. And I am going to read the second book very okay. soon. So so for those who are asking or for those who are listening for the first time, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. We cover the first season of Game of Thrones. We analyze all 10, and then you can kind of catch up. And then once season two starts, I would like everybody to like watch with us and, you know, send in questions for each episode. And that, that would be kind of fun uh, because the, the, the last time we did it, we kind of recorded like five, six episodes before we actually uploaded one. So it was kind of difficult for people to send questions in um, while we were recording. So we're excited about that. And why don't you let the people know where they can find us on social media? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Dancing with Dragons podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you're using to tune in, be sure to follow us on there too and add our show to your library for the latest episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate a rating, review, or a comment. You can follow us on Instagram at dancingwith__dragons. There you'll find everything you need to know on the show and stay up to date with the latest episodes. The link in our bio will also have the links to Tony and I's personal movie accounts if you want to follow us on there as well. If you want to send in any questions, suggestions, or if you want to contact us for any other reason, feel free to reach out through Instagram or through email. Our email is dancewithdragon62 at gmail.com. Thank you so much.